Well, young people, uh, can we turn this evening to Leviticus? But we're going to chapter 8 this evening. And so, five nights in, we have completed uh, the offerings and we have studied them all. And now we're coming to conclude for the week. I should say that there are notes there uh, at the back uh, for each of a little handout that details each of the offerings. Um, the headings are there and just a few thoughts under each and if, if you would like to take them you take them with you, you're very welcome tonight's message, the notes are not there so you still have to listen and I trust that it will be of benefit to you I want to thank your minister, your ministers, both of them for their word of welcome I want to thank the youth committee here for their warmth it has been a privilege to be here all week it has been a blessing for my own soul to be here and to see so many young people engaged with the word of God and wanting to learn from the word of God and that has been a tremendous encouragement for me and it is my hope and prayer that young people as you leave that you will have grasped at least something you can go away from this week and say well I have somewhat even a little better understanding of those offerings and if you can do that if you can say that then I'm a very happy man indeed so thank you so much for the welcome and we trust again that the Lord will be with us this evening we're, we're looking at chapter 8 of Leviticus and we're just going to read a passage from the centre of this chapter together tonight. Chapter 8 beginning to read then at the verse 14. And he brought the bullock for the sin offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering and he slew it. And Moses took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger and purified the altar. And poured the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. And he took all the fat that was upon the inwards and the call above the liver and the two kidneys and their fat. And Moses burned it upon the altar. But the bullock and his hide, his flesh and his dung, he burnt with fire without the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. And he brought the ram for the burnt offering and Aaron and his sons laid their, ha- their hands upon the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burnt the head and the pieces and the fat. And he washed the inwards and the legs in water. And Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savour, and an offering made by fire unto the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram, and he slew it. And Moses took off the blood off it, and put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put off the blood upon the tip of their right ear, and upon the thumbs of their right hands, and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. Amen. We end our reading there at the end of verse 24. And we trust that the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts this evening. We're just going to bow in prayer and ask the Lord for his help. Eternal and Heavenly Father, we come before thee this evening. We thank thee, O God, for for all that has gone forth already in our time together tonight. We thank thee for the week 
that has gone past. And we earnestly pray, O God in heaven, that it will be used to bless the young people here in Balamina. We thank thee, O God, that on other evenings we have known thy help. We have known great help. And we have known thy strength. And I have known thy strength. And Lord, we look to thee again this evening. Lord, if thou art not here, then we meet in vain. O God, we recognize our need. I recognize my need. And so I cry, O God, fill me with thy spirit. Use me. And may I be a mouthpiece here in this place to speak to thy people, to challenge the unsaved, and to point the backslider back to the Savior. O God, give much help now, for it's in thy name that we're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Now, I could have sung that to you this evening, but I didn't want to upstage any of the singers that have been here this past week, so I refrained from doing it. But you know that little course. You have learned it from your earliest days, I suspect, in maybe children's meeting. And you know how the verses of that chorus go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. We should be careful with our tongues, what they say. We should be careful what our hands are doing. And we should be careful with our feet. Careful where those feet are taking us. And so even in that little children's course, there is a warning given against those things that would defile God's children. Those things that would pollute us as God's children. And that little course sprang to mind whenever I read the words of verse 23 of Leviticus chapter 8. And he slew it and Moses took of the blood of it and put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear. And upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his foot. We see reference then made to the ear, to the hand, to the foot. What's happening here in this chapter 8 is that the priests are being consecrated to serve the Lord. These men that are priests are being set apart ceremonially to serve the Lord. And that's what's happening. The instruction for how this was to be carried out is given back in Exodus, the chapters 28 and 29. But here in chapter 8 of Leviticus, it's all coming together. And here... Aaron and his sons, the priests, they are being consecrated for this ministry, this position of the priesthood. And that's what we're witnessing in these verses that we have read together tonight. So for a few moments this evening, young people, we want to consider complete consecration. There's a challenge for us, even as we look at what's happening here in chapter 8. Complete consecration. And firstly, we've got to notice The ground of consecration. The ground of consecration. Look again at verse 23. And he slew it, and Moses took off the blood of it. What is the ground of consecration? What had to happen at the outset when these priests were being consecrated to the Lord's service? The blood had to be shed. The blood had to be shed. If these priests were going to be consecrated to serve the Lord, then blood had to be shed. And you look at this procedure here as we see it in chapter 8, 
And as I say, we see Aaron and his sons being consecrated to the priesthood. But before they could take office, before they go any further in this ceremony, before they could begin their solemn duties as God's ministers and priests, sacrifice must be made for them. Blood must be shed. Atonement must be made for the priests and for their sins. They must be reconciled to God before they begin this task of the priesthood. They must have peace with God before they are consecrated. And so in this chapter 8 we see there are washings, ceremonial washings. We see that the priests are clothed in certain garments. We see that later on they are anointed with oil and again We noticed earlier on in the week that indicates the Spirit of God. And then we see that sacrifices are made on behalf of these men that are set apart to be the priests. How important this is. If these men were to conduct the sacrifices in in time to come, they need to begin their ministry as priests, having had sacrifices made for them first. And so in verse 14 of chapter 8, we see a sin offering is made. We notice that during the course of the week, a bullock is taken. Atonement is made for the sins of these men who will serve as priests. This is a new chapter of their lives, if you like. Now they are to be priests. Now they are to be holier than they've ever been before, if you like. They are now the servants of God. And they're laying their hand upon the bullock. That fine bullock that is without blemish. And there's that representation when they lay their hand upon it that their sin is being imputed to this bullock. And the bullock will die. Why? Because of their sins. Speaks to us of pardon. It speaks to us of substitution. Ultimately, of course, it speaks to us of Christ because we've said it all week long. All of these Old Testament sacrifices, the blood that was shed could never take away sin, but it's pointing to the New Testament. Is pointing to the once for all sacrifice, our saviour, Jesus Christ. And so the sin offering is made there from verse 14. In verses 18 to 21, the burnt offering is made for these men who will serve as priests. The ram is brought. And remember what we said about the burnt offering. It speaks so often of devotion. Well, that's what we would expect. Men who are consecrating their lives unto the Lord to serve him as priests. And then from verse 22 we read of this ram of consecration. And it's this blood of this ram that is taken and placed on the priest's ear, toe and thumb. And the rest of the blood then sprinkled upon the altar. And what are we seeing here young people? We're seeing at the outset The blood is shed, atonement is made, and only then can these men begin their service for the Lord. And that order is key. That is so important to notice. The blood is shed, atonement is made for these men's sins, and only after that can they begin serving the Lord. Only after that can they consecrate their lives in the service of God. And let's apply that to ourselves here this evening. You're here, young person. This is the scriptural truth. You cannot begin to live a life of service for the Lord if you have not first been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You see that order here very clearly in chapter 8. You cannot live a life that is even pleasing to the Lord if you have not first come to him and been cleansed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There is no other way for you to begin a relationship with God. Only the blood-sprinkled way. We all know those verses that, that tell us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And as we've said, all of these Old Testament sacrifices, they're speaking of Christ. They're showing us something of Christ's person and his work and his once-for-all sacrifice. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that washes the hearts and souls of men clean, that takes away our sin... And that washing in Christ's blood, that is where we begin our relationship with the Lord. Young people, you cannot be God's servant if you are not first washed in Christ's blood. You cannot be God's servant if you are not first washed in Christ's blood. And that's what we see here in chapter 8. Atonement is made for the sins of these men before they can begin serving the Lord as priests. You cannot be God's servant if you have not first been washed in Christ's blood. Young people, we look around us today and we see so many who would claim to be God's servants. Even some who would profess to be be ministers or pastors or, or, or preachers and they claim to be God's servants. And yet they don't know the Lord. They don't know the scriptures. And their sins have not been washed away in Christ's blood because they're not saved. And there's a stark warning here. No matter who you are or what you are, you're not God's servant if your sins haven't been washed away in Christ's blood. And so I ask you this evening, have your sins been cleansed? Do you know that? You, you ask logically the question, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to have my sins washed away in Christ's blood? Well, the simple message of the gospel is we've got to repent of our sin, turn away from that sin. We've got to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, trust that his death on the cross of Calvary was for us, that, that he paid the price for our sins. He rose from the grave, he's alive forevermore. Receive him as Savior and Lord. How do we do that? We cry out in prayer for the mercy of God. Cry out for his forgiveness and for his salvation. And the promise is if we do that, our sins will be cleansed away. But this is so important to notice here, young people. To notice the ground of consecration here for these men who are going to serve the Lord. The blood is shed, atonement is made, and only then can they serve. And no matter who you are and what you are, you're not serving the God God of heaven tonight. If your sin hasn't been dealt with. So that's the ground of consecration. And the second heading I give you this evening is aspects of congregation. Or congregation, consecration. Aspects of consecration. And we see three aspects here. Three aspects. Entire consecration is summed up in the application of blood to three different parts of the body. The ear, the thumb, the toe. And each of these parts of the body that the blood is applied to speaks of of different aspects of consecration, just different aspects even of our lives. You look at verse 23 there of chapter 8. It says there in the middle, and he put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear. The blood is applied to the right ear. And we see then that these men who were to be consecrated as priests, they were to be eager to hear God's word. The blood is applied to their ears. They are to be eager to hear God's word. 
There is a willingness of these men that are coming forward to serve the Lord as priests. There is a willingness to hear what the Lord is saying to them. There is a willingness not only to hear what the Lord says, but to submit to what the Lord says, to obey the Lord. I wonder, young people, are you listening for the voice of God? Are you listening for the voice of God? You think about the life of Elijah there in the Old Testament. You think about that time when he met the Lord and the Lord spoke with him. There was a great and strong and a powerful wind and it rent the mountains, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After that, there was that great earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. Then came the fire. The Lord wasn't in the fire. After that, the still small voice. And the Lord was there. And the Lord was speaking to his servant with a still small voice. And I wonder, young people, are you listening for that still small voice? Day and daily, are you prayerfully opening up the word of God every day and listening for God's direction to you personally? Are you at the public services of this congregation, if that's where you belong? Are you regularly at the prayer meeting, seeking the face of God with God's people? Listening as the word is expounded to see what the Lord has to say to you. Are you listening for that voice of God? Can you say you're like Samuel there in the temple? Speak Lord for thy servant heareth. Is that your attitude? Day and daily. More than that. Can you say when you hear the voice of God. You actually obey that voice. Do you submit and the blood being applied to the right ear, that signified not only hearing the word, but also obeying that word, submitting the word of God. You think about the absolute and utter foolishness of a man who hears, comprehends, fully understands the instructions that God gives him and then chooses to ignore it. And yet that happens, even among Christians. And the voice of God is ignored. The instruction, the leading, the guidance of God is ignored because your preference or mine seems to be superior. Hearing God's word, obeying God's word. If you want an example, of course, of obedience in the scriptures, you've got to think no further than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 in the verse 8 it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God the Son. His perfect obedience. Christ humbled himself. He fulfilled the will of God the Father. He suffered humility and agony that we can't even begin to imagine. You think about who that was. That's, that's God the Son, the deity of Christ. He made the law and he obeys the law. As your minister rightly prayed, he could do no sin. So when we look at these priests and we see the blood applied to the ear, there's that eagerness to listen to God's word, to his instruction, to, to obey, to submit. Of course, we should say, Christian young people, that as believers there are things that the consecrated man or woman should close his ears to, things that we shouldn't listen to. Sometimes, and we touched on this the other evening, you can hear believers, professing believers, talking about the absolute nonsense that they have been watching on the television or something that they have seen on the internet. The wickedness of this world, the defilement of today's popular music, 
the discussion, the jokes of this world. Those are all things that the individual who seeks to consecrate himself to the Lord ought to close his ears to and want no pardon. We can think of the workplace and, and people speaking about what they're watching, what they're doing, what they've done at the weekend. And we don't want to be polluted with the bile that's coming out of their mouths if we're going to be consecrated to the Lord. There's a certain lecturer in Bible college and he used to often uh, come off with the statement, well, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Of course, that's true. And young people, if you're surrounding yourself with all the vile and vulgar and blasphemous language and talk of the world, don't you be surprised if your mind is saturated with it. You need to get out of that place because it's polluting you. It's harming your walk with the Lord. And so we see the blood applied to the ear of the priest. They're eager to hear God's word. But then we see the blood is applied also to the thumb. That's what verse 23 says. And upon the thumb of his right hand. You see these men had to be eager to do God's work. Eager to do God's work. And I ask you a question young people. Is there that devotion and, and service towards the Lord in your right hand? You're keen to get up and do the Lord's work. These priests are consecrated to serve the Lord. Are you keen to do the same, Christian? The application there is bountiful. I could spend all evening in this. There's so much work to be done for the Lord. And and in fact, there's no room for laziness in God's work. You think about the parable there Christ told of the talents. And you think about the master's displeasure. Whenever a talent, one talent was given to the individual and he did absolutely nothing with it. When the master came and sought for the increase and there was nothing there, the master was not happy. There's much work to be done for the Lord. Is there that eagerness in your heart as a Christian? Even in the local congregation. I don't need to stand here and and list all the departments of the work where help is needed. You say to me this evening, well I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do the other thing. And maybe you have legitimate reasons. Maybe there is something that means you can't do it. Can you ask someone to come to church with you? Yes. Can you give a tract to a friend? Yes. Can you pray? Yes. There is a work for us all to do. And if we're going to be consecrated to the Lord, we've got to seek out what that work is we can do and do it with all of our might. Serve the Lord in whatever way we can, in whatever place he has positioned us. We've got to put away this notion that it's only the pastor's responsibility to witness, to pray, to serve the Lord. That's nonsense. We all have that responsibility as Christians. I was reading C.H. Spurgeon. He summed it up like this. He said, you can truly serve God behind the counter in the workroom. Serve God by digging a ditch or clipping a hedge. I believe that God is often served by the tailor or shoemaker who conscientiously in his calling seeks to do his best. There's the challenge for all of us. No matter where the Lord has placed you, seek to serve the Lord. In Colossians 3, in verse 23, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, 
You see, when a Christian puts his all into his work, even if it be mundane work to that Christian, when he gives of his very best, people notice, the world notice, the unsaved notice. They see that there's something different about that individual. And the door of opportunity to speak and to witness is opened. It's a fine thing to have a fine testimony before a dying world, a world dying in their sin. You will find that that testimony gives you opportunities to speak for the Lord. Wherever we have been placed by the Lord, let's do our very best for him day and daily. And take every opportunity that he sends our way to speak for him. We think about the priests here and, and, and their work, their activity, what they had to do. The wonderful work of the priest. In many ways it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ when we think about the work of the Old Testament priest. What did they do? Well they were to go between God and man. They were to act as mediators. What does that mean? It means go between two parties that are at war if you like. To two parties that are divided. And the mediator goes between to reconcile, to bring peace. You think about the work of the priests there in the temple. They were to be engaged in bringing all of these offerings on behalf of the people we thought about during the course of the week. They were being engaged in prayer and that once, one time in the year, entrance into the Holy of Holies, the Day of Atonement. They were to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. You remember Aaron's breastplate, the high priest's breastplate. The twelve tribes there on his chest. He's representing the people as he goes before the Lord. On the other side of things, the priests were to convey to the people the blessings of the Lord. They were to bring the word of the Lord to the people. And the priest had somewhat of a unique position. He could approach God in a way the people couldn't. And so when we consider all the work of the Old Testament priests, our hearts immediately turn to Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Aaron the high priests, the priests who generally may have pictured in some ways this, this work of mediation. But it's all pointing to Christ. Because he's the only mediator, mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ. The great high priest. The likes of you and me, sinful, wicked, fallen men. Can be reconciled to a holy and just and pure God. Through our great high priest. Through the only mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, the God-man. That great high priest, Jesus Christ, he offered the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. And that sacrifice was himself. He's our great high priest. And you know what our great high priest is doing even now? He's praying for us. He's interceding for us before God the Father. This is the great high priest that the Christian knows and loves and serves. The God-man, the mediator, Jesus Christ. And so we think about the priests here and the blood applied to, to their ears. Eagerness to hear God's word, also to obey and submit to that word. The blood applied to the thumb. E eagerness to, to do God's work. But finally we see in verse 23... The blood is applied to the great toe. That's what it says in verse 23. And upon the great toe of his right foot. Eagerness to walk in God's ways. There's eagerness in these priests to walk in God's ways. It's, it's with our feet that we are carried in a certain direction. 
our hearts, our minds incline to do something and our feet carry us in that same direction. Well, the priests, these men who were consecrated to the Lord, they must be close with the Lord. They must walk in the Lord's ways. And how often in scripture we have that imagery presented to us, the believer walking in the ways of the Lord. The believer keeping the law of God, keeping the commands of the Lord, to the very best of his ability, walking with the Lord. Psalm 119 in the verse 3 says, They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Walking in the Lord's ways. These men that were priests were to live holy lives before God before men and they weren't to stray from the law of God they were to walk in accordance with his law now what about us as Christians today are we walking in accordance with God's law of course we can't do it perfectly but are we doing our utmost or are those things in our lives that, that we know shouldn't be there but we can't get rid of them we wouldn't want to do that we enjoy them too much Robert Murray McShane was a minister in Scotland, died, I think, when he was 29 years of age. And he famously said, well, repeated, quoted his own prayer. He said, Lord, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. Make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. Could we pray that prayer this evening? Oh, yes, we could utter it, we could say it, but could we pray it with all of our hearts? Or are those things in our lives that we know are wrong, but we're holding on to them? If we're going to be consecrated Christians, we've got to let go of those things that are wrong. And as these priests walked before the congregation, as they walked before the people, it must have been obvious that that these men were consecrated to the Lord. It must have been obvious that, that these men walked close with the Lord. Is that obvious in our lives? In school? college, university, in the workplace, when people look at us, is there something different? Is there a closeness with the Lord? Is there that fellowship that the people notice? You think about what was said of Enoch and Genesis, and Enoch walked with God. Could that be said of us? And again, we think about this consecrated walk. Well, well, we know where the perfect example is, the flawless example, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 8 and the verse 29, Christ says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. That's our perfect Savior. Is he your Savior? Is he your great high priest? We draw to a finish this evening. We close out this week of study. What we see here in these priests is that they are entirely consecrated to the Lord from their head to their toe. And what a challenge there is there for Christian young people. Remember on the opening evening we thought about the burnt offering. All's on the altar. Is our all on the altar for the Lord tonight? I turn you to one last verse and with this I'm finished. Romans and the chapter 12.
Here's the challenge for the child of God. Romans chapter 12 and the opening verse. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Christian young person is your all on the altar for the Lord. Whatever he desires, my resources, my time, my energy, my life, it's all on the altar. Let's pray. Eternal and loving God in heaven, we, we thank thee again this evening for the challenge that there is in thy word. And we pray that thou wouldst apply it to every heart. Lord, apply it to my heart. Challenge us all. And we pray, O God in heaven, that each of our lives will be changed, even as a result of, of coming to thy word. We think about the blood applied to the ears of the priests. They were eager to hear God's word, but also eager to do it. And may that be said of each one here this evening. And if there's any with us who know not the Saviour, may they come to that great high priest, the only mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and know that they are reconciled to the Most High God because of him. Bless us. Take us to our homes in safety. Bless the fellowship here we will enjoy. Bless the food to us. And be with us even unto the weekend. Remember the Lord's day. And touch thy people there as well. In Jesus' name.